On this special edition of the Public Record Podcast, we take up the topic of ageism in the workplace. Ageism is such a serious global health threat that the World Health Organization has instituted a campaign to engage all stakeholders in addressing the problem. It's time to say no to ageism, is the concluding statement of their global report on ageism. Ageism isn't just a problem of people over 40. Unwarranted prejudice and discrimination can be directed at anyone at any age. My guest is Ashton Applewhite, whose TED Talk, Let's End Ageism, has been viewed by more than one and a half million people on YouTube. She joins us via FaceTime audio. We began the conversation talking about the roots of ageism. Attitudes towards aging start to form in early childhood. No one is born biased. Uh, but we all, um, you know, we, we grew up surrounded by family members and by culture, each of and everyone has bias. And when it comes to age and aging, we are barraged by negative messages about how awful it is to grow old and how tragic it is to be, uh, you know, disabled in any way. And, and, you know, and the, and the larger message is that, you know, it's best to be thin and blonde and, and white. And, you know, there, there's sort of a, a, this idea of a norm that, that advertising and popular culture in the movies and advertisements reinforce, it's starting with children's books. And unless we stop to question those messages, which we are doing more and more around racial bias and have been doing for quite a, quite a time around gender bias, and we're you know making enormous progress there, but we're really just starting to do it around age. And unless we stop to question those messages, they become part of our identity. That is internalized bias, and that is the reason why when an older person encounters a message that's something they're thinking of doing, starting a new career, taking up a musical instrument, wearing a certain outfit, isn't age appropriate. It's that little voice in your head that says, oh, gee, maybe I shouldn't. That is internalized ageism. That is because the person, no judgment, we all have those voices inside our heads, um, you know, has brainwashed us to believe that there's a certain right or better way to move through life, and there is not. Well, you make several good points there. You know, we're taught early on that, you know, we shouldn't play with children who are, you know, very far apart in our age. Uh, Sir Ken mm-hmm. Robinson, who is a critic of our education system and also one of the most popular TED speakers, he points out that we go through school sort of corralled in our little birth year groups, and he questions, you know, why is that? You know, shouldn't we be, if we're reading at a third grade level, shouldn't we be, you know, learning at a third grade level and trying to catch up with, say we're in the fifth grade, trying to catch up with the fifth graders. And if we're a fifth grader in, in reading at third grade, but doing math at eighth grade, you know, the other kids are waiting for us to catch up. And it's very strange, all this social promotion, all sort of hinged to social, you know, the age thing. Yeah, uh, such a narrow, narrow band. I mean, and just think even more broadly, not just in terms of what we would learn academically, but suppose, um, you know, socially, how much we learn from people who are older than us, especially in childhood, where every year makes a significant, you know, developmental difference, which is not the the case in adulthood. I mean, there used to be, you know, one room schoolhouses. And we know a lot now that, that, you know, more proficient kids learn a lot about, about the subject and also about being empathic and kind 
from helping teach younger kids. So there, there are enormous social benefits. Now with uh, more and more people, um, education continuing, more and more people seeking advanced degrees because of degree inflation, those silos persist even longer into early adulthood. And it's it's too bad. This silo silo does us no favors. Now, ageism is often thought to be a problem of older adults, but uh, it actually affects younger adults. I was going through several interesting examples the other day of uh, uh, how younger folks are affected. You know, we have the national drinking law is 21. I should point out, you become legally an adult at 18, kind of, like kind of, you know. Yeah. You can't rent a car if you're under 25. You can't get insurance. You can't get insurance. You can't rent a hotel room or a vacation rental in many communities. The Coast Guard uh, don't apply if you're older than 27. You're already over the hill. Now, the Air Force will take you as old as 39 for active duty, but you can't Mm. serve if you're over 34 in the reserves to have that one backwards in my view. Well, bureaucracies are unwieldy, of course, (laughs) but I'm really glad you, you know, you raised that point because we live in a youth-obsessed society and older people do bear the brunt of ageism, but it absolutely cuts both ways. Kids' opinions and skills are discounted all the time simply because they're young. There was a report just out this week, which you might have seen, talking about how it's Gen X that is going to face the biggest obstacles to getting hired anywhere. Last week, it was millennials. It's about boomers all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And what I like to point out that is that two things. That is an example of how age bias in the workforce in particular affects workers of all ages. And that helps us step back and look at the structural issues that we are all up against and that benefit, you know, who benefits when workers of all ages are pitted against each other. That's what we need to be looking at. I love a quote by a scholar named Amos Wilson that says, if you want to understand any problem in America, don't look at who suffers from it. Look at who profits from it. Yeah, well, follow the money, sure. Let's move on to uh, ageism in business, and I'm going to jump up to product design because it's at the top of my mind at the moment. The other day I downloaded an app from a prominent radio group, and the very first thing they asked me as I opened the app was not my name, but my date of birth, with Mm. the promise that they were going to show me music that would be, you know, my lifestyle. (laughs) Now, I just laughed. In fact, I, I... threw the app away because I knew that that was a bunch of hooey because if you look at what's on my iPhone nothing what someone my age would stereotypically listen to and I suspect that's probably you know more true than not across of course. the board. I mean if, if there's if there's one fact I could put in every head in America in the world it would be the longer we live the more different from one another we become the less your age says about what's on whatever you're listening to. I got a press release here across my desk a few months ago from uh, one of our well-known colleges, and they were boasting a new program of college courses designed for seniors with the implication that, uh, you know, you were going to be tribed with people of your own age so you didn't have to hang out with younger people. And I I just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I thought, what are we doing here? What, What do you think? Well, I agree with you. I mean, I just I think we're we're back to the the question that you know the really good question you posed earlier. Age si- silos 
of any sort, I think, don't help us. I, I want to live in a, in a, a mixy uppy world. That's my homemade adjective. You know, we're surrounded by people who don't all look like me. We all have a tendency to, to, to gravitate to people who share our, our, our histories and our class backgrounds. Class is, is hard to, you know, move out of. But if I went to school, one of the pleasures would be to encounter people of all ages. Why on earth? And what does that even mean? What, 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 name me a subject that is only interesting to older people. There's no such thing. Or well, to the, younger people. You, you know, K-pop, I'm sorry, you can't go to the K-pop class or, you know, contemporary Korean musicology class because you're too old. That's ridiculous. Uh, I want to try to be constructive with uh, our business community here. So uh, I'll throw out a suggestion and see what you think uh, about this. Mm-hmm. My suggestion for ageism in product design is to stop in your tracks and flip it around and do the reverse. If you were going to do a photo shoot with a bunch of 20-somethings, why just 20-somethings? Mix up the group. Show people of different ages. If you were going to show uh, people using technology, don't just assume that only 20-year-olds can use a computer. Uh, Flip it around. Have an older person showing a younger person how to do it. You mentioned active sports. Uh, Why can't uh, someone do a an aggressive, active swimming competition if they're 40 years old versus 20. I know an awful lot of 20-year-olds that couldn't swim three laps in the YMCA pool. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean a thing. So I don't know. What do you agreed. think? Agreed. Ag- agreed, agreed, agreed. I mean, I think this lesson applies across um, every difference, you know, also have people who are not all white, who are not all thin, who are not all male, you know, mix it up because when we, when people are missing, I mean, the uh, classic example is, is the absence of, of women scientists in research and in imagery. If you want people to feel welcome or feel like this product is for them, you need to represent your demographic. And what ironically, ageism is so severe that we, you know, that older people have much more buying power than younger people. Older women have, have the most because we make most purchasing decisions for the household. And yet advertisers don't even try and sell us stuff, which is pretty dopey. Let's move on to employment discrimination. This one is huge. I don't know where to begin. (laughs) What do you think? Uh, It's illegal. You know, I'm in the culture change business. We are not going to, the business was ironic. Um, We are not going to eliminate age bias in the workplace or on the dating scene or in healthcare or anywhere else without addressing it in the culture at large. So every time someone is encouraged to leave early accomplishments off their resume or fudge, and I'm not saying your resume should feature stuff you did you know, after you were 40, you know, I'm not saying it, it it doesn't need to be updated and look modern, but this message to obscure your age, to, um, to act as though experience is a liability. You may need to do that to get that job. And I will never judge you. We all have to eat. And in an ageist world, those strategies are useful. But when we do that, we it's bad for us because it reinforces the idea that getting older is something to be ashamed of. And why should waking up a day older be a source of shame? And from a structural point of view, it gives a pass to the discrimination that makes those behaviors necessary. So until enough people stop doing that, track if they are on the receiving end of ageist comments, ageist discrimination, and file suits and insist that the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission gets funded 
right? You know, I mean, it's these are big changes, but that is what is going to make it, uh, you know, that is what's going to end acting in concert with anti-racist movements and with anti-sexist spokespeople, because those, these forces all combine to make getting hired and keeping high, keeping employed and finding another job if you're laid off. So join forces with all these other social justice movements to make sure that the playing field gets leveled out. Do you think that some of us as job seekers are equally culpable in in discrimination? I was watching a seminar from one of the better uh, job coaching firms, and she pointed out an example of an older gentleman, I believe he was in his 60s, who was interviewing with a younger hiring manager. And uh, the hiring manager was telling him something about his personal life and interests and hobbies. And the older uh, applicant said, oh, yeah, my my son is into the same thing. Isn't it kind of distancing to point out the age difference when you you shouldn't have to? I mean, I I don't. That's a great question. It's complicated. I don't think it's ever smart to... Um, point out a um, like the if you're the older person to point out a a parental type of relationship. You do not want to be anyone's mom or dad in the workplace, and you don't want them to think of you. You don't want to think of them as a daughter or son. This is professional, not familial. So that's where I see the problem. That said, um, age is real, you know, and it's important not to pretend that it doesn't exist. So you you know. I don't want to say you should never reference age, but I don't think that's that's a smart way to do it, you know, to go about it. I mean, I think you should tell tell your age if you're asked rather than fudge. But ideally, then question what what changed in the in the listener's mind when they had that number. Or I'm happy to tell you how old I am, but I want you to tell me why the number is important to you. Mm. Right. You know, question the assumption behind the question. Are we guilty as we get older of not keeping uh, relevant contemporary clothes, keeping up with technology and that sort of thing? It depends entirely on the person. Mm. You know, some yes, some no. And there's no, you know, if you want to hang on to a job in tech, it's incumbent on you to keep your, you know, your tech skills up to date. If you want to wear bell bottoms, wear bell bottoms. But I don't know anyone who's worn bell bottoms, no matter how (laughs) old they happen to be. You know, that's just, that's just a cliche. No one has to keep up with anything unless unless you know earning a living compels them to and that could be you know a, a terrible thing or it could, you know it can be useful to be you know prodded you know not to be you know not to be lazy it's easy i'm i'm a bit of a technophobe you know every time some damn new app comes along and i'm like you know or i i use city bike here and it's like no you don't use the fob anymore you have to scan and my first reaction is oh god something else to learn and then guess what i want to rent the bike so i learn how to use the app we learn the things we need to learn so i feel like it's no one has to do any of these things for me it makes life more interesting and we also do know that being physically and mentally active and maintaining a strong social network are really important to aging well rather than just getting you know stuck in a rut but another ageist cliche old people are stuck in their ways no we're not you know, we may have we may have financial or physical constraints that make it harder to do things, you know, on the spur of the moment or to, you know, jump out of our chairs and run, run out of the house. We may take longer. But those mindsets, we're the same. Your personality doesn't change. Curious people are curious at 16 and curious at 66. 
and couch potatoes stay couch potatoes. We don't become a different person just because we get older. Do we need to make an effort, uh, both younger and older, to uh, have a wider circle of friends, or in this context, networking, uh, of all ages? That's another good question. Um, I assumed heading into this when I knew nothing uh, that the most important component of a good old age was health. Nope. And then I assumed, well, it must be wealth. The most important component is having a solid social network. Mm -hmm. And especially for men who tend to have, um, you know, less less be be less active at maintaining social networks and for whom work is um, possibly a more important source of social connection than it is for women. Those circles um, diminish as people we've known all our lives die and as we retire. So my fervent advice is to find, think of something you like to do or a bunch of things and find a mixed age group to do it with. Because that way we, we, we just, we disrupt ageism because it's really hard to to hold on to, you know, fixed attitudes about what, insert the blank, you know, people from Puerto Rico, people from Pluto, people who are Sagittarians. If you are with a bunch of people who are, you know, from 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 that group and others, it's really hard to, to hang on to your fixed beliefs about them because you see everyone's the same in, in fundamental ways and utterly different. And that way, when we make younger friends, we are able to keep up with what they're thinking about, learn new things, and also have friends that outlive us. And that's pretty nifty. Finally, let's move on to the advertising. What would you say to the advertising community to kind of clean up their act with ageism? Ugh, it's really just shocking. I would I would say it, it relates to the same point in product design. I mean, and, and advertising isn't just ageist, it's ferociously sexist and, and classist and racist too. You know, represent, representation is really, really important. If you want, and and actually advertising, I mean, has made enormous inroads Um, in TV advertising, at least in the U.S., you see a lot of families of color, which, um, you know, I'd like to see them represented in, in other ways than trying to, you know, sell detergent, but it is representation and it does integrate our, 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 our view of the world. So I would say hire women, you know, hire people with disabilities, hire older people, because if you want to reach a broad client base, you need to have people who represent that client base. And by that, I don't mean that you need older sales reps to sell condos in Florida and young people to sell ping pong tables. You need all at all groups at the table, especially in any creative enterprise. There's tons of studies that show that, that a diverse groups and age diversity is part of diversity, make better decisions, and those companies make more money. Hmm. What would you say to a 20-year-old art director who's remembering his fairy tales from childhood and thinking that uh, all old people are wizened and gray-haired and and evil? (laughs) Um, I would say open your eyes, baby, and look around (laughs) you. You know, I would say go, go hang out somewhere where you, where not everyone is your age and, and go and do it with an open mind. You know, think of something, I'll give the same advice to the 20-year-old. Think of something you like to do and find a mixed age group to do it with and talk to people. You know, some of the old people will be totally boring. So will some of the 20-year-olds, right? Age says almost nothing about us. It once, you know, once we're out of childhood, in childhood, of course, it's a hugely important indicator. But the longer we live, as we are shaped by a diverse set of experiences, and as each year 
makes up a smaller percentage of our lived experience, the less our age says about us. So go try it. Now, in your presentation, you talk about something called the U-curve of happiness. Explain that one to us. The U-curve of happiness is a curve that shows that people are happiest in the beginnings and the ends of their lives. And when I, and it, it, the trough is in midlife, usually in your sort of, uh, you know, 50s, early 50s, let's say. And when I first encountered it, I can't tell you how skeptical I was. I just thought it was sort of all downhill from, uh, you know, 25 on. And then I thought it must be true if you were healthy or if you are wealthy. And none of that is the case. The, the, the curve has been tested in countless studies around the world. And it obtains independent of class, of health, of marital status. It is a function of the way aging itself affects the healthy brain. Tell us what resources uh, you can share with us. You have a website called thischairrocks.com. What can we find there? I do indeed. You will find there a blog where I have been thinking out loud about this stuff for uh, over a decade now. Um, A link to my book, which is fun to read and uh, has all my smart ideas, called This Chair Rocks, a Manifesto against ageism, um, a link to a Q&A blog that I also write called Who Me? Ageist. And you'll also, there's a link to my TED Talk, um, blah, blah, blah about me. There is also a link to a site that I think your listeners should know about, which is the Old School Anti-Ageism Clearinghouse, because movements need tools. So we have collected all the best ones. It's an ongoing project, of course. So check out the Old School Clearinghouse at oldschool.info. Well, terrific. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. My guest has been Ashton Applewhite, an expert on the topic of ageism. For further reading, visit the World Health Organization website and search for the many resources they offer in the section called Global Report on Ageism. A good reference is their booklet, Quick Guide to Avoid Ageism in Communication. Please share this podcast with your friends and business associates. The Public Record Podcast is a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. Thanks for listening, and please become a subscriber. Music